0: On this episode of Intent Topics, we'll be talking about intent data with Ed Marsh and John McTighe with intentdata.io. Logan, how's your day going, buddy? Good man, how you doing? Great, great. I'm psyched. Uh, So today we have uh, John McTighe and Ed Marsh of IntentData.io. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Chris.
1: Great to be here with you guys. Nice to be
0: here. You got it. You got it. So today I wanted to talk about, you know, all things intent data. I guess we probably won't cover all things, but uh, definitely specific intent data conversation today. But um, real quick before we get going, uh, John and Ed, do you mind giving just a quick background on yourselves? Ed, why don't you go first?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I mean, for the last 10 years, I've kind of been in the digital marketing community. I think we've been Well, many of us uh, on this call have been traveling in the same circles together. But before that, I've done a lot of industrial stuff. I've done a lot of international stuff, um, set up and ran a company in India, was partners with a German company. I'm a consultant also for industrial manufacturers on strategy and revenue growth. And uh, so, done a lot of different things over the years. Very cool.
0: John, how about you?
2: Well, same here. I started out in the oil and gas business uh, about a hundred years ago, but uh, <laughs> I've been in sales and marketing for about 40 percent of that, and uh, more recently um, was the co-owner of Kuno Creative, which was one of mm-hmm. the, one of the first HubSpot partners and in inbound marketing agencies. Um, yeah, I semi-retired from Kuno in twenty seventeen. And Ed and I wrote a book together called uh, Common Sense Sales and Marketing, and so we've we've been collaborating for quite a while. And um, I joined him uh, a few months ago to uh, come on board with Intent Data and and uh, take it to the next
0: level. Nice, nice. Yeah, real quick on on that. So um, I was definitely not the first HubSpot agency by any stretch of the imagination, but back in the day. I uh, always aspired to uh, be like Kuno, and uh, read everything I could get my hands on that you guys put out. So, John, it's great to it's great to connect with you again years later. It's
2: um, neat that you were w- the one guy that wrote that read everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I skimmed it. Let's say all right, <laughs> but uh, when I saw. That um, you know, so in, intent data was on our, on our radar. I've been noticing, but when I saw you had joined, I was like, "Oh wow, uh, this is cool!" Because um, for Logan and I, uh, and us at Union Resolute, we we very much think of these days. Uh, 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 they kind of remind us of the early days of inbound marketing, and it's exciting. Uh, we don't know exactly where it's going and we'll talk about your predictions a little later, but we feel like there's just a big business shift going on right now. So I was intrigued when I saw you join, um, intent data and, um, that's why we, we originally reached out. So it's good to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So, um, I guess Ed, why don't I start with you? How did you, how did you guys get into this intent
1: data business? So the same way most of us get into the things that we're doing, kind of by accident, right? I mean, you you have a plan, yeah. you know, the kinds of things that you enjoy doing, the kinds of people you like working with, uh, generally the type of work you like doing, but life's an adventure. And so mm-hmm. I reconnected um, with a classmate of mine from college who was a data scientist and who had developed a set of tools to do things with intent data that nobody else was doing that were really intriguing and started working on that with him and and some others and developing the market for it and understanding the the applications and the use cases and Uh then um, um, reached the point where the kind of casual way that we were doing it wasn't doing it justice. As you say, this is kind of an early stage and rapidly developing market. And mm-hmm. um, so when Yvonne Handel recommended back go oh, beginning of this year that um, we set it up as a separate business, start running it that way, I thought that made a lot of sense. And so that's how we ended up mm-hmm. where we are now.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And uh, it uh, looks like from what I can see on, on YouTube that you've, you've, you've uh, generated quite a bit of content around this topic. So you've definitely been thinking about it for quite some time now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know, it's funny to hear you say on YouTube because I tend to think of it's this is this is a perfect uh, you know subtopic about content and how people engage and mm-hmm. what kinds of oh, things they're yeah. interacting with. I think of written content first and YouTube second and you know it'd be yeah. different for different people.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. this not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but um we uh Logan and I are are, are you know, us a union we're we're definitely very intrigued by more video content and the ability to use that uh as as read, you know, words that you read versus uh visual content. Um so we we're, we're making a big big push right now. And the other thing that's interesting is there's there's not a lot out there explaining all this going on right here. So there seems to be an opportunity there. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Um, so John, how did you how did you get into it? Were you kind of looking at intent data before you started Intent Data IO, or how did this kind of come about for you?
2: Well, I, I've been a data nerd since the very beginning of time. So I actually one of my first jobs at Shell Oil was data manager. So my job was to combine databases across uh, shell oil exploration and production and uh, make sense out of it. So I've kind of been in that mode for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. it comes to sales and marketing data, you know, same idea. How do you manage all these different applications and how do you manage data and make sense out of it Mm -hmm. and make Mm -hmm. inferences that you can use in in sales or anything Mm -hmm. else? Um, yeah, so it's cool. a passion of mine, and uh, I was—I've been interested in what Ed was was into and, and working on. So uh, that was really what attracted me in, and and having an opportunity to you know help it grow is also you know fun for me as well.
0: Of course, yeah, that's half the fun there. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that um, the whole uh, inbound marketing um, connotation, though it probably already existed. Uh, it really drove people to think in a data driven way about their marketing. And that was a big kind of pillar to that. So I could see it being a, a natural fit for you. Um, I, have I've seen you speak quite a bit about data driven marketing, decision-making and, and stuff like that. So it, it kind of ties in naturally. Um, so I guess there's, there's, uh, a bunch of data sources out there at kind of varying levels of um, where they are as a business right now. Um, Could you probably starting with you, Ed, could you talk a bit about the different data sources and, uh, maybe specifically about the content level data that, that you guys are, are creating and, and kind of how these different data sources differ and, and,
1: and how to use them, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you flipped my switch by asking that question. So if if you need to shut me up, just just uh, <laughs> and, tell me I've, I've, I'm saying uh, too much. But, let it run. I mean, yep, go for it. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think our space, like... Like every space these days must have a minimum of seventeen hundred you know, competitors in it. It seems like there's so many companies mm-hmm. doing it. But you're you're also mm-hmm. absolutely right that there are differences and those differences are in the business model, they're in the way data is collected, they're in the way data is delivered, they're in the insights that the data provider, um, you know, supplies kind of the, the, the degree of coaching and consulting. Um, and so just kind of quickly, um, among all the data options, there's, there's databases, um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with those from an outbound sales perspective, some of those are incorporating some intent signals in the background. There's website de-anonymizers, the so that when somebody visits your site, if they don't convert, you try to figure out who the company is, um, and maybe suggest some contacts. There's predictive tools that look at projects you've worked on, companies you've won or lost, deals with, and try to extrapolate from that um, who might be good target accounts for you. Um, right. There are ABM tools that now include some third-party data. In many cases, third-party intent data, which is really primarily what we're talking about, is designed to tell you what's happening everywhere else on the Internet as opposed to you know what happens right. on your site, but that's only a small mm-hmm. portion of what's going on but the the different models include harvesting signals in different ways from different Mm -hmm. ranges of sites. Um, In some cases, small collections of publisher sites. In some cases, it's the entire web. Um, Some of the ways signals are observed range from um, looking at activity from IP addresses and, and mm-hmm. trying to, um, resolve those. In other cases, it's looking at people who have been shown bid stream ads. Um, so there's lots of different ways to approach it. Our model is based on watching people take action online publicly. And those are, those are really key, two key elements of it. Take action and public. And, uh, so we think that in the world today, those, are important um, in terms of people's comfort with, you know, what goes Mm -hmm. on online. And what that does is lets us deliver contact-level information, which is really unique. There's a lot of data providers that will provide static-sourced contacts match right. accounts where they see activity, but it's just a pure guess right. about who's taking that action. And if mm-hmm. you're selling to enterprises where the department has hundreds or thousands of people, that's often not really enough. And so um, we're really right. excited about providing contact-level data. And then with that contact information comes a lot of insight. You can understand the context of the actions somebody's taking um, and their job title, so you know seniority and function and stage and buying journey and problem they're trying to solve and competitors are engaged with and all kinds of cool stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Very nice. That's awesome. Um, have you been finding a lot of success with uh, companies using your data and and a lot of you know kind of testimonials and case studies coming out of it? Or is it, is it going as well as as planned?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people. People are, I guess the honest answer is people are a little skeptical at first. Many people have tried some third-party intent data. Many people have tried products that are called intent data, and they they kind of get an interesting inkling. Wow, geez, you know, somebody at Oracle is interested in doing something. And right. then they kind of say, well, that's really cool to know, but what's next? And, what am I supposed and, to do? And so for people who yeah. have had that experience, as soon as they actually see the data that we're able to provide, they get really excited. The light bulb kind of comes on.
0: Yeah, they can probably move towards creating a playbook for you know. You see this. This is what we need to do. Um, prior to having the data, it's it's kind of just um, trial and error, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or analyzing your past experiences. So that's that's kind of um, a big piece of what what we do at union is there's the data you know there's there's folks like you that provide the data and and what we're trying to do is shape content and and do human outreach using this data um and we've been having great success with it and you know nothing's more fun than hearing a client get excited about um how they just can't believe that we we reached out to someone and that person was like, Oh, as a matter of fact, I happen to be like looking for X, Y, Z. And we're like, Oh, what a coincidence. Right. So that's, that's always good for us because it helps validate what we do. Um, especially cause you know, in, in any sales environment, uh, it's, it strikes and gutters, you know, within, with on a day to day, you know, so to have that reinforcement is always, always good there. Um, Hey Logan, um, can you talk to some of your experience using some of the contact data um, that you've been able to to get a hold of? Has it been working for you? Any, any kind of tips or tricks that you've been finding um, success in?
3: Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, with the contact level data, it's really opened up, um, whereas it's kind of like... V- way behind the curtains of what we've seen with some of the other stuff like a Bombora, which is very high level, um, you know, at the account level. And then you have to sort of triangulate, you know, who the contact is, um, and and really figure out what the approach is as opposed to what we're what we're starting to build with uh the intended data.io stuff where it's like we kind of know where where we're going to approach in the company, who we're going to approach, and then also mm-hmm. you know, what they're what they're looking at, which is amazing. Um, so, Ed, when how how have you helped some of your clients um, sort of approach? You know, the fact that you know you could have from from say C level all the way down to you know a manager. How how have you helped? your client's approach where that, you know, the ICP, but also like the ideal role um, and those kinds of difficulties when they're, when they're building the outreach.
1: Well, I'll answer quickly, then I'll I'll let John run with it. But cool. you know, I saw the other day that CEB or or I guess it's uh, Challenger Sales Organization now or whatever the name is has updated their six point eight buyers on a complex buying team stat to ten point two. And <laughs> you know, you talk about strikes and gutters. I mean, sales is getting hard. It is really, really, really hard. And yeah. the reality is knowing who's involved and what stage different people are at in, in their buying journey and the problems that each are trying to solve and titles mm-hmm. and functions is critical sales intelligence and critical marketing intelligence to help BDRs personalize what they're doing. But I, I love the way John kind of brings his data analysis to when he talks about doing a scatter plot or this or that and thinking about it in ways that aren't as natural to me. So John, how would you answer Logan's question?
2: Well, I think, you know, the interesting thing about intent data that you don't get otherwise is sort of the time dimension. So when are people doing what they're doing? You know, the, what they're doing is very important. You know, are they searching on certain keywords? Are they following certain people? Are they attending a certain conference? You know, what what right. are they doing and why is very important, but also sure. when. As you start to see different people sort of grouping together. So an example would be a buying team. And you can see that several of them are active right now, you know, yesterday. So you can infer Mm -hmm. from that that they are talking to each other. They are, you know, sharing resources. They're looking at the same stuff. They're talking to each other. So it's a different kind Uh kind of dynamic. It's not just a single person that is showing intent it's a whole team and we uh, right. can start to prioritize accounts right. that way. You know, this, these guys yeah. are really about to make a decision. We need to jump on this. So we need to get, you know, ramp up the, the activity yeah. level.
0: Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I love that, uh, that you said that, uh, that the time dimension, right. And, um, in our earlier, kind of months, uh, Logan was more the guru on all this and he was trying to get us up to speed or more, more specifically me. But the, 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 phrase that resonated with me was the right, the right contact with the right content at the right time. And that's front and center on your website, which I love because that is exactly what this is about because it's not terribly hard, uh, in 2019, bringing on 2020 to contact the right person with the right content. But the right time is is just mm-hmm. the killer here, um, and and I think that is that's a special piece of what's what's going on here. So uh, I like that you call that out. And the um, other to that, t-
1: Chris, is that there's a third dimension. You know, the right contact at the right time with the right or the right content contact with the right content will be different depending on the situation. I, mean, I let's mm-hmm. say for instance, decision makers. Everyone loves to talk about decision makers, except right. the decision maker is not the person that's often really involved in evaluation and comparison and research and all that kind of stuff. And so if you say, well, we see signals from an account, so let's go find the contacts, you know, if we're selling marketing software, let's go find the CMO. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the CMO probably will have to sign off on it, but isn't really the one that's leading that effort. And so how do you know, who it is that's leading that effort? And that's, that dimension is really complex.
0: Yeah, it's totally. And we talk about that. Logan talks about that a lot. And uh, I think what he's called it is organizational altitude, right? And everyone seems to think that you want to talk to the top of the food chain, but that's certainly not the case, especially when it comes to evaluation um, of a product or a service. So that's an that's, that's, uh, uh, important piece to, to articulate. Yeah, I, I
2: think another thing is that the entire buyer journey is something to, to focus on now, too, not just the initial sale. So, as, you know, as the, as the customer matures and has, you know, support problems or, you know, issues, and they might start looking around at other, at other competitors of yours, you know, you'd want to know that. And uh, this kind of data, mm-hmm. you know, you keep running, you know, it's not just a sales thing, it's a, it's a support thing, it's right. a customer experience thing. So it would be very valuable mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. The, the journey.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the uh, one of the interesting things that we've seen is that, you know, being in the business we're in, we hear and we talk to a lot of uh, like MQL providers, right? And, you know, they're selling these leads that are so early funnel. So, yes, I'll, you know, I'll uh, you can send me an ebook or uh, because and we've seen them, you know, potentially looking at other content, et cetera, which is another use case for intent data is generating MQLs. And it's interesting to see how much more effective it is to actually serve the content to somebody and then harvest them as a sales qualified lead two or three months later, five or six touches later. Um, than it is to necessarily just um, be looking at it where like it's like oh this person is about to make a decision because I don't see that as intent data or I don't see that as the real power of intent data I feel like it's it's more and you guys can agree or disagree um, you know it's more of understanding where that organization is in the buying journey and that's what's interesting about like the scatter plot and graphing it out because we look at it like a curve you know there's kind of the the rise of the the data signals and then there's the fall as conversations start to become more internal and more in that in that sort of buying group where you know you don't get intent data what's going on in the boardroom right so have you guys seen the same thing yeah i think it's reflected in conversations that we have
1: about um, you know, what's the right way to describe intent data? Some people call it leads. Um, yeah. Some people call it sales intelligence or marketing intelligence. And, you know, to, on the one hand, that feels like an insignificant semantic difference. On the other no. hand, it really yeah. changes the way you think about it. And I I, I agree, Logan, and I, I, I'll let John speak for himself, but I think he does as well, that, uh, you know, it, it is intelligence, that really fleshes out in a multidimensional way what's going on as opposed to a lead like somebody that converted on some syndicated content or something. Right.
3: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I think the big thing, at least in my eyes with a lead is like, when are or or what is the involvement of a salesperson with that lead? you know and so is it like they've consumed some content so you get it into the hands of the salesperson, or is it you know there's a there's uh, a good reason for that salesperson to to sort of be sort of engage in that conversation as opposed to hey man here's here's a list of thirty people that have like looked at something go for it. You know, and I think that involvement of the salesperson is really how we have to look at, is it a lead or not? And that's an at an organizational level.
2: And if you think about the word intent, you know, you might think that the, the word means that they're going to buy, you know, right now. Right. And that's not really the case. They, they, there's a whole spectrum of intent that includes not even knowing whether you need something or not. And it's your right. job to influence that whole process throughout the journey and that involves you know social media content distribution you know the whole nine yards so it's it's about yeah. targeting but it's not about waiting too late in the journey you know you'd want to be there ready to go as soon as
3: possible. absolutely
1: yeah and in fact part of what we do with our data you know in contrast to topic based models that are kind of opaque and you you pick a few topics and you try to interpret based on action across those topics, even though you don't know what's behind them. We say, okay, here's the key term, for instance, that somebody has taken action with. And so you're able to gauge where they are in the buying journey and you're able to tailor the sales enablement content that you share or the sales outreach or whether, in fact, there's not even sales outreach, but maybe just social engagement or maybe just Mm -hmm. paid social ads with very carefully Mm -hmm. tailored and appropriate messaging to help Mm -hmm. somebody along over the course of a month or two to the point where they do convert and then they're ready to have a conversation.
0: Yeah, and, and assisting them trying to figure out what they're trying to solve, right. too, is the, the ability to do that's uh, more powerful than ever.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, so cool. So
2: I was yeah, going to say, go ahead, maybe John? you're getting to this, but you can envision you know not-too-distant future where predictive algorithms start looking at this behavior over time, not with sort of a static right. approach to hey, this looks like a qualified lead and you might want to contact this person. It's more like we think that this person's already done this and this and this and this. And, uh, you know, the next mm-hmm. step is this and you should take this step. You know, it's that, that right. brand yeah. newer, I think, is where we're heading with this thing.
0: Yeah, like the, the okay. predictive playbook. Yeah. Um, Logan's... I hear you chiming in.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's what when we when we look to onboard clients at Union, you know, it's like, um, are you are you looking at specific verticals and are you looking at specific industries? And I think the more or the deeper of an understanding a company has of who they're selling and what that value prop is and what the difference is between different. Verticals is really how we can drive to that, you know that as Chris said, the predictive playbook, um, and that's what you know. I see a big value with IntentData.io because it's you know you're getting so much information that can then be sort of um, flowed into these internal systems that you know if if you've got it set up right, IntentData.io, you know it's just a, a massive amount of really powerful insights. And that's, I think you guys have the best chance of of being able to build that prediction where as that like ambiguous topic based stuff, you know, it's a cool signal, but I'm not sure how Mm -hmm. actionable it is um, in my experience. Um, And so, so that's, what's really interesting over the coming say year um, with all this.
2: I I think most B2B companies suffer because they don't have much internal data. You know, they don't collect they don't have mm-hmm. that many visitors. Let's face it, right. you know, and and so they can't right. do that much yeah. with their own data, you know. So this is, this is quite a nice right. addition to that arsenal.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. So so Ed, I'll start with you, and John, you you kind of brushed on this a little bit, but Ed, where do you see this this entire kind of intent data business
1: going in three, five, ten years? So, I believe that intent data will become background noise and the discussion will be about marketing and customer data and and not just in the context of you know regulatory and privacy concerns but in the context of how companies actually use it and interpret it to improve the customer experience the prospect experience and the and the buyer experience and the customer experience and so i think that um, intent data as we know of it today, will be an important piece, but it will be kind of subsumed into a much bigger topic. Where Right now it's a buzzword. It will become an element of a bigger topic over how to manage data.
0: Yeah, and how to kind of read it and make decisions off it and, and probably even visualize the data. There's probably things coming out there. Right. John, what do you think? Uh, kind of same sentiment or anything think, you'd add? To yeah, I just think
2: uh, take going? off on that last point because there are so many sources of data and there's so much data to consume and there's so many applications that use it that it's become almost impossible mm-hmm. to manage that from even from a large company's mm-hmm. point of view because they don't have the resources. You know, it's becoming... It's becoming a thing, you know, hiring data scientists and operations people and all of that. But there's still a lot of challenges involved in orchestrating all that data and doing something useful with it. So that's a problem we are working on ourselves as sort of a new service that we're rolling out this next year. And uh,
0: Yeah, kind of interpretations kind well, of service orchestration's in
2: the way. a good word for it. You know, really putting all the data together, normalizing okay. it, you know, taking the errors out, mm-hmm. sort of making one
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: source of truth for customer data and then mm-hmm. automating the process of putting it out there where it's useful. So, you know, it's going to have gotcha. some AI in it. It's, you know, all those all those buzzwords, but the practical, the practical right. business end of it is that it'll be a lot easier for marketers to hit the right people at the right time with the right content using all these different signals.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, cool. So um, you must be talking to a fair amount of, or hopefully a ton of com- companies that are, are- talking about, thinking about, trying to make decisions around using intent data. Um, what advice would you give a business that wants to start or knows that they should be starting to implement this into their sales process? Um, what advice do you give or, or would you give companies looking to do this?
1: John, you want to go first? Well, I think uh, we.
2: the first thing to do is think about what you're going to do with the data. You know, it's it's important to understand it's not just about calling a list you know that's kind of 10 year 15 year old thinking it's about really really putting it to work and and you know like you guys do finding the the patterns finding the the meaning or the insights and then figuring out Mm -hmm. what to do with it in terms of you know marketing or sales and uh You know, we ask people when we do our own sales, we ask people how they're going to use it because it's so important. And I think people need to think more about that going forward. You know, not not Mm -hmm. just about logistics, it's about really strategy and uh, how you're going to utilize this data Mm -hmm. to make it work.
0: Yeah, it's kind of turned into this thing that people know they need to be talking about, Mm -hmm. but you really need to zoom out or zoom up right and set some goals like what are you really trying to accomplish here right because it could be many things and how about you what what advice would you would you be giving so
1: two things one kind of high level and one tactical number one although a ceo or a cmo is not going to typically get involved in a conversation about intent data aside from perhaps saying yes it's something that we think should be part of our stack I would argue that they probably should be not you know in the day to day granular detail of it or looking at or reviewing it, but the the reason I say that is because the right kind of intent data, and obviously I'm speaking specifically about contact level intent data, can have applications across silos, across departments, and across the entire enterprise, um, yeah. and and more from more than just you know demand gen. Attack, uh, target account sales and churn reduction, but really um, across the enterprise. And that can enhance alignment. It can enhance cooperation. It can even um, do things like like you know, find opportunities in the corporate development space or places that are really strategic to the organization that people don't think mm-hmm. of when they think of intent mm-hmm. data in the typical demand gen context. So that's an yeah. honorable thing. I would say more tactically, be um, aware that you're going to encounter limitations in the typical Martech stack. I mean, often we have conversations with people and say, they say, well, who should we contact first? Or where do we start? Or how do we begin to interpret it? And so an easy answer is, well, good question. Let's look and see where there's overlap between recent first party data that you have, in other words, people from right. new logos that have taken action on your site with your content, new conversion. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. where that intersects with the third party data, you know, maybe there's one person that converted on your site, but there's five people from the same company taking mm-hmm. some of the related actions that you see in third party data. Mm-hmm. You know, you right. see that connection, that intersection, and people say, Oh, that's great. Absolutely. Well good. Yeah. And then they kind of stop and say, wait a minute, how are we going to do that in our typical martech stack regardless right. of marketing automation platform the crm that's actually deceptively hard to do and it's so people uh-huh. need to kind of be ready to start to think about their marketing technology stack a little differently
0: yeah being, being
1: nimble yeah
0: great great uh, well this has been a great chat guys thanks for joining us i'm chris battis
3: and i'm logan kelly thank you so much for stopping by please give us a five-star review on any podcast app that you listen on and we will see you next time.
0: Thanks, guys. Take care.